Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash using your power. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Today, we would like to recommend Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. What the rich teach their kids about money that the poor and middle class do not. Welcome to Using Your Power. I'm David Andrew and joining me today is... Maveen Cora. How's it going, Mav? I'm doing good, man. How are you today? I'm powered up. Yeah? How come? I'm powered up for another great episode. You know, I've had a really great time with working out and eating well and just living a more productive life in the last little while. And that's been really good for my health overall and uh, my mindset and my energy levels and all that kind of stuff. So it's been great. Right on. Looks like some of those things that uh, we started maybe about three months ago in January, uh, you know, have started paying off for you. Yeah, exactly. And and doing a lot of things to move my business forward too, and you know, investing more into one or two strategies as opposed to being so spread out across many different uh, tactics and and social platforms and all that kind of stuff. You can get easily caught up in all that kind of stuff, thinking it's going to get you some kind of results. But I think. You almost just have to go all in to one or two and, and make it happen. And that's that's what's been going on. I agree, you know, and it's been great uh, working with yourself as well, right? So uh, we've been able to get some stuff done. We're obviously putting some stuff together for usingyourpower.com as people can obviously mm-hmm. see some of the changes that have come from the our first episode all the way to uh, this episode here, right? So, exactly. Um, it's been awesome. And I know you've been able to help me with uh, discoveryourlife.com as well, where, uh, or discoveryourlifetoday.com, I should say, sorry, uh, where we're also be able to implement a lot of the same things that we're doing here at usingyourpower.com and just kind of taking the same type of format and uh, putting it there as well as well as on your own site too right the music entrepreneur hq exactly yeah lots of forward progress there it takes time to do everything adding in images from when i transferred my site from dotcast.com to music entrepreneur hq.com correcting links you know all that kind of stuff you have to do once you've moved over your site so it, it takes time to do all that but over time you know, SEO is a long-term strategy anyway. So if you just keep at it and keep doing the right things, uh, your site improves over time. And that's kind of the things Google's looking for anyway, is, you know, good content, good images. So you just keep, you keep at it. And uh, even if you're working alone, it can get done as long as you break it down into smaller pieces. Right. And so Google's not, not necessarily looking for just those quick, hot, you know, keywords for one day, you know, they're looking for something long-term where people can keep coming back to uh, over and over, over a long period of time, and then be able to get really good information from the content that, you know, people are putting out like your ourselves uh, as well, right? So uh, probably some of our listeners are wondering why we're talking about our websites and time as well, right? So it kind of uh, makes sense, you know, we are going to be talking about time and money and the value of it. That's right. I think it's a really important subject. And I guess to kind of lead into it, You know, I've had conversations with friends and probably everyone listening has maybe even said some of these things to other people. Well, I would love to get together, but I have no money. I've got the time, but no money. Uh, You know, there's a lot of different ways of saying it. Usually it's kind of pointing to the same 
problem or oftentimes, you know, it's pointing to the same problem, whether you have no time, no money, no money, no time, no, you know, no, uh, however you want to say it. Oftentimes it's actually exactly the same problem, but that's why I felt it was like really important to, to bring that up and address it and talk about it because I think a lot of people need help in this area in their, in their mindset and thinking, and hopefully we can add some value to you in that way. Absolutely. So one of the things you're saying is I think there's a, a need to really understand uh, what time is, what money is, and how they kind of work together is what you're saying. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny. One of the first things I wrote down when we were putting our notes together uh, was, you know, where, where do we spend our time? And second is, where do we actually spend our money? Right. And mm. we, I think we need to look at those individually to really understand what that means, because obviously, if you're spending all your time doing certain things, you might be also spending your money doing those certain things as well. Or if you're spending your whole bunch of money doing, you know, one thing, you may not have enough time to do other things that you really want to do. Right. So uh, I'd love to start maybe looking at that and look at where, where do people spend a lot of their time potentially. Mm. Absolutely. I think we should definitely delve into that. Maybe I'll just set it up by by saying these few things, which is that a lot of people have time but no money. So that would describe someone that's between work, someone that doesn't know how to manage their finances. There's a lot of people that say, I have money but no time. That's someone who has probably a demanding career or someone that's driving towards a bigger goal. And then there's people that have no time and no money. And that's usually someone that's looking for work or someone that has a job that isn't keeping pace with their lifestyle that they've chosen for themselves. And very few people have an abundance of time and money. So that's someone that would live off of their assets, businesses, properties, investments, and things like that. So I think that sets it up. And Maveen, let's delve right into that. Absolutely. You know, I like the first one too. Uh, lots of time, but no money. And I think a lot of times people have, you know, we all have the same amount of time in a day. You know, we got 24 hours in a day. I forgot exactly how many seconds that was uh, in a day. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we all have the exact same amount of time. And absolutely, you know, we have to spend some of that time sleeping. Yeah. Uh, we do need to rest our minds, our bodies in order to, you know, um, have the right energy to do the things that we want to do uh, with that time as well right so but you know on a, on a an occasional a normal day usually pretty much looks like you know getting up for people uh, you know getting ready to either go to work or work in your home-based business or work in your um, you know maybe your uh, business you know like you, you always talk about too right as uh, Robert mm-hmm. Kiyosaki talks about depending on which qu- quadrant you come from uh, you know are you in the I quadrant are you in the S quadrant are you in the B quadrant um, or in the employee quadrant, quadrant, right? So it's going to really depend on where you are, but we're all going to get up in the morning and go to one of those areas uh, to start working, right? So exactly. Something really great that I've been doing here in the new, the new year here is uh, on Fridays, I'll just take about six or seven hours of, of downtime or just a period where I go dark and I'm not really alive to the world. I'll go and enjoy something that I, that I enjoy eating at a place that I maybe wouldn't always eat at because really financially that's totally not a problem for me to, to eat out here and there, especially if it's planned and it's like weekly and it only happens once. And then I'll spend the rest of the day just like reading and planning and thinking about what's, what's happening next in my, in my freelance 
financing life as well as my business. So that's something that's been really, really good for me to do. And something that both my, in terms of priorities, having that downtime is really good for me to recharge. And in terms of, in terms of money, I have the money to be able to do that. And it doesn't have to cost me an arm or leg to do that either. It's not like I'm missing out on huge opportunities. I'm actually sharpening the ax further the following week by recharging and taking the time to do that. So that's a practice that's been really good for me. I like what you said about that, you know, sitting down and charging or, and sharpening, sharpening the axe, right? Mm-hmm. Where a lot of people, unfortunately, because there's so much going on during the first five days of the week, Monday to Friday, uh, unfortunately, use the weekends not to sit down and sharpen that axe. They actually have to, you know, that's when they have two days now to get everything done. That's right. And, and they kind of don't have a, a t- the time to sit down and, um, you know, recharge and re-energize so they can get Monday the next week uh, to kind of, you know, start fresh and no stress but instead there you know most people because um you know they spend their time after work not necessarily being productive all the time you know and now i'm not necessarily trying to put anybody down or say anything bad against anybody i know i've been an employee where i used to come home sometimes and i'd come you know cook dinner and and then i'd sit down and watch tv for a couple hours and you know i I found that was never productive for myself so now I, i obviously have changed those habits as well right yeah. And Mavin, you brought up cash flow quadrant. Obviously, that was on the list of my notes to talk about as well. And maybe we'll just define those real quickly, even if maybe maybe most of our listeners are familiar with it, but some may not be. E would be, there's, there's four of them. There's E, S, B, and I. E would be for employee. S is for self-employed or specialist. It could also be a solopreneur. B is for business owner, and then I is for investor. And and you're exactly right. I really like how you describe that. It your priorities around time and money tend to revolve around which quadrant you fall under. A lot of people don't know that's financial literacy. That there's four ways of making money. Do you want to add to that? Um, you know, I think you said it right. I mean, as a, most people typically start off as an employee, I think that's right. uh, of somewhere, right? I mean, at 16, 17, maybe even 15, you're out there, you know, you get your first job, you start off as an employee and you think that's kind of the way life should be. And that's kind of what we're taught in school as well, right? You know, take your time, go to school, get really good at it and then go mm. out, find a job and then spend that nine to five at work, um, you know, just developing your skills so you can make some money, right? Uh, as, as you maybe get, out of that employee mindset, a lot of people typically move to self-employed, right? Not necessarily entrepreneurial self-employed. They might look at maybe starting a business, maybe um, being some sort of a professional where they can contract themselves out, right? Consultant, freelancer. Exactly. I hear this is actually really on the rise right now. So it's not just me out in the world doing this anymore, kind of working from home completely and and serving different clients. There's more and more people. That's a huge growth area right now. No, you're right. And I actually read an article, David, about a couple months back and they were talking about, you know, because, you know, they say that we still are in a recession right now. And, mm-hmm. and uh, at least at the time of us recording this, um, they say that a lot of people who are in their 20s right now are not necessarily looking to work. They're looking to start their own uh, home-based businesses and looking to be self-employed, right? So yeah. uh, there's going to be something to be said about that in the coming future when a lot of people are not necessarily wanting to go to work for somebody else they want to work for themselves right and that's kind of leads us into the the b quadrant of being business owners right yeah um again it depends on if you're a business owner of uh you know a franchise a lot of people think that's probably the best way to go but i think more and more as you're saying is being a freelance writer and, and working for yourself and being your own boss you're your own employee as well uh and you kind of take care of everything a lot of go ahead 
Well, at the same time, I'm actually looking for better leverage on my time because you, you can only write so many posts in a year. I think I figured out that if I cut out everything else in my life and didn't do music and didn't do a few other things, social events, shows, things like that, which you know I'm passionate about and enjoy doing, then I could maybe make early six figures as a freelance writer, like somewhere between 100,000 and 200,000. But that's not really great leverage of my time because now I have absolutely no time. I just have a whole ton of money, right? And no, no way to spend it. And my days would be filled with just freelance technical writing. And my, my entire focus would be around finding higher paying clients so that I could make more money. Not saying that's a bad thing to aspire to. I know that there's other freelance writers that have done that. They made it their goal for the year to go and make six figures in freelance writing. That's awesome. And, you know, I've discovered that you can probably do it in just about anything. You can do it in music instruction as a piano instructor or a singer. Uh, Any kind of freelancing thing definitely has the potential to be a six-figure business. But then you have to think about, well, is that the best use of my time shouldn't like because that's not entrepreneurship to me entrepreneurship to me is leveraging people and money to grow your wealth absolutely and that's you know that's going to be down a little bit further i think we'll definitely get into that when we start talking about the abundance of time and money right and uh, finding ways to leverage yourself i think that makes absolute sense um but as we start looking at the fourth quadrant is being an investor right now again as we all know not everybody is great at investing because you know the markets change so quick you know um oil is up one day and the markets go up the oil goes down the markets go down right there's a war starting somewhere the markets go up or down you know gold changes i mean we can't control this then we look at technology, you know, science and all that really does impact where stocks go. So a lot of people don't have the know-how or mindset to really understand how everything works. I mean, we mm. all have heard of, you know, like Warren Buffett and stuff, yeah. uh, who are some of the people out there. But even, uh, you know, entrepreneurs like uh, Tony uh, Robbins, for example, he has uh, a personal investor that helps him with his own money, right? He's not looking to be the, the the smartest person about investing. He goes out and finds the right guy to help him grow his wealth uh, based on what he's been able to do, right? So he's not necessarily working in, in that quadrant. He's sticking to what he's really good at. And then, like you said, hiring the right people mm-hmm. uh, to help him in places that he needs help with. Exactly. And even I heard Tim Ferriss say this recently on a podcast. I think it was the interview with James Altucher. He was saying that he no longer wanted to spend as much time as he was doing startup investing. In fact, I think he kind of said, I'm not doing that anymore completely because he was confronted with this idea of leaving a legacy or creating more value in the world to help people, which is why he wrote, you know, his fourth book or whatever, which in every podcast interview, he seems to say writing is such a painful, difficult, long, arduous, tedious process. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you look at his latest book, which is over 700 words, I was showing that to Mav earlier. Seven, almost 700 pages. 700 pages, sorry. 700 not, words not, wouldn't really be too long, would yeah, it? <laughs> no, that would be a short book. <laughs> Seven the, 700 pages. I mean, okay, so, you know, maybe his he's reprioritized himself, it's not just to think in terms of how much money I can make because we could all set up our lives to make more money. Money is available in abundance and there are a ton of different opportunities to get it. Arguably, you should get into something that you can you can excel at and be good at. But, you know, that's another factor that we often have to consider with time and money is like, well, how am I going to leave my legacy? And I also heard this on a podcast recently, which was that 
you know, the things that bring long-term happiness are not things that bring us happiness in the short term. Like watching TV, that might be fun. Going and having ice cream and eating McDonald's, that might taste good and feel good for a while. But that doesn't bring you long-term happiness. Long-term happiness inevitably is like spending time working out, writing a book, creating a website or a blog, creating an album of music. All those kinds of long-term things tend to stimulate a different sense of happiness and fulfillment within us. Right. And I think that goes right back to the same question that I asked at the starting, right? Where do we spend our time? You know, yeah. what are we doing with our time? Like we, like I said, we have 24 hours in a day. We all get the exact same amount of time. How are we utilizing it? Are we sitting in front of the TV and, you know, kind of watching, you know, three hours of, you know, say sports or television programming mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. you know, that you may enjoy in the short term, but again, doesn't add any real long-term value. Maybe you're, uh, you know, sometimes I do it as well. I jump on, maybe watch a show and, you know, you'll go on Twitter and you kind of interact with people, but but that's more of a, a game plan that I use just to be able to, you know, connect to people, right? It's not necessarily a way to just, you know, send out tweets and waste my time watching TV. It's really for me to, you know, be able to connect to people. So it's a very systematic on the reason I do that. But I don't necessarily sit there three hours watch or six hours watch back-to-back football on Sundays, for example. I, I you know, I try to use my time on Sundays as a, a way to be more productive for the new coming week, especially with the goals that I've set for 2017, right? They're pretty... Um, they're pretty out there right now. And, and, you know, we're obviously, we both have segments on our, our, our uh, separate websites where we're doing da- uh, weekly updates on our stuff. So it's kind of mm-hmm. neat. And people can really see how we're going towards those goals by using our time effectively. Absolutely. And I think, Maveen, you would agree, you know, this this whole writing process, I mean, it's not that it's not enjoyable. And I love writing content for my own website. And sometimes I do enjoy writing for clients too. But some of that work can also be pretty, pretty tedious at times. That's why I get paid to do it because I'm solving their problem, obviously. But, but I think you'll agree, you know, writing a book or a blog post in the short term, you know, you could just as easily go and binge watch Netflix, but you're choosing to do something to invest in your long term game plan. And I think that's what's great about it. Absolutely. And, you know, and that time you spend writing, right? I mean, uh, typically, I remember when I first started uh, writing a couple of years ago, when I first talked to you, you know, you just said, start writing. And, and I said, well, how long would you recommend, you know, a post being, you know, like, well, I'll go over at least a thousand words. And, you know, and nowadays, <laughs> it's even it's hard to stay under a thousand words it's true you know it's hard to stay under 1500 words at most times right now it's like anywhere between 15 and 2000 are very easy to do and it's not you know it, it does take a little bit of time and effort to to put the thought process into what you want to write about but I mean it's very easy to expand on that and the more you keep writing the more I keep writing I find you know I want to spend more time writing versus watching TV now don't get me wrong because I know we've I've watched some Netflix shows you've watched some Netflix shows and we did our episode on uh I'm Not Your Guru by Tony Robbins because of that, right? So we did use our time to educate ourselves, but then we used that and turned it around and turned it into a podcast that we could then bring it out to the people and have them listen to it. That's true. I actually used to turn my entertainment into work for myself too because I would play a video game or watch a movie and then turn around and review that video game or movie that I had just watched or played. And so, you know, I, I was looking to monetize that site and it never really kind of took off the way I'd hoped. But, you know, there's a lot of critics out there. There's a lot of video game coverage, movie news, media news out there. So, of course, it's a competitive niche to get into, but it was something fun to do for a while. And I think I learned a lot from that as well. Right. So I guess the next question that we have to ask is where do most people spend their money? I mean, we kind of start to understand where people are spending their mm. time. So where are, we, where are people spending their money now? Uh, if they're saying, you know, they have lots of time and no money or 
too much time or lots of money but no time so what are they really doing right and I guess in the end we're going to have to discuss how do you get that balance and then again of course how do you move to the next step of abundance yeah I think it goes back to those that definitions right we have to think about the personal profile of what that person is so if they are saying they have no time or sorry if they're saying they have lots of time but no money that that's because they're between work so they don't have any work right now or because they don't know how to properly manage their finances, which can also be another another problem entirely. But as far as like where they're spending their money, I think we all have certain expenses that tend to be fairly universal or, or consistent across the board. Things like, you know, maintaining your car, gasoline, rent or mortgage if you have some kind of mortgage payment, food insurance these are kind of all the basics that taxes that, yeah taxes too those are all the kind of the basics that everybody has to pay and, and to some extent that's why you know money can be a problem because you have to account for those ongoing expenses or you could find yourself in in trouble and unable to keep up with everything Right. And, you know, I think we do have to also look at uh, where your money is being spent. And the easiest way to do that is definitely look at your checkbook, right? Uh, if you can, and I mean checkbook because not everybody uses checks. So, I mean, really is what I'm trying to say is you look at your bank statement. Uh, if you start seeing that, you know, using the ATM, for example, quite a bit, it's a way to lose a lot of money, especially if that ATM charges using, you know, costing you every time, right? So you may not look at these little things and say, uh, you know, but every time you use a different, you know, ATM, it's costing, let's say, for example, a dollar to use somebody else's ATM. Well, after a month, a lot of people are spending, you know, $20, $30 on it. And that extra $20, $30, you can take and put it back into your business. Or you can go up for that, uh, you know, burger Fridays that you do, yeah. right? Kind of stuff like that. So um, it is something that you can utilize that time, uh, sort of that money in order to then, uh, you know, treat yourself realistically. And it's a small change if you just kind of are aware of what you're doing with your money. Definitely. I think banking fees and debt could pro are two categories that could probably go in most people's expense column as well. The way you, you said it is, is perfect. I think maybe just looking, even, I think we even gave that tip before about look into whatever bank account you happen to be using and see if you can reduce fees. For example, see if you can transition over to an unlimited fee checking account or something like that. That's that's kind of, or unlimited unlimited transaction bank account, which is kind of what I have. I still pay, I don't know, it's something like $15 monthly or something like that to the fees, but then at least the fees are predictable and they're not all over the place and it's and it's great. I mean, this is one of the tips that you gave Mav, which was not to pay in so many different ways. Now, don't don't go around paying for everything with cash, with debit, with credit, with every possible means you have. Just limit it to one, and that way you can track your money much easier. Right. And and again, just another quick tip again is, you know, I, I don't use my credit card. Sorry, I don't use my debit card for anything. I don't usually use cash for anything because if I use cash, I'm going to typically end up spending it because I'm taking out a couple hundred bucks, and it's hard to, you know, keep a $100 bill in your pocket without breaking it and spending it all. You know, using my uh, credit card or debit card, sorry, for that exact reason, because anywhere I go to pull out money, it's going to cost me. It's going to, you know, I got every time I swipe, it might give it cost me as well. Right. Uh, I use only my credit card. I don't use those other two. Again, you have to be really good at paying off your debit card or your sorry credit card at the end of each month. Now, if you're not paying off that credit card, then your money starts. You have to start paying interest on that money uh, again, which is another yeah. topic I know we're going to cover in, in the future here. Um, but you don't want to pay 
interest on that money because now it could be more than what those fees at the bank would be, right? So you got to be very cognitive of where you're spending that money, how much it's being, how much you're being charged, right? So myself, I pay off my credit card at the end of each month. I make sure every two weeks I'm putting more money on that credit card to make sure I'm keeping that balance low, uh, you know, from every paycheck that I do get, right? Uh, and that way I'm always ahead of the game, never behind, right? So that's how I usually like to play. And that's the way I've never really missed a payment ever. I've never had to pay any interest and I'm borrowing money for free. And I'll put that in quotations for up to 30 days before I have to make a payment, right? So it really does give me the advantage as long as I'm able to, uh, you know, manipulate it in for my own advantage. And, and I think anybody can do that too, once you learn how to do it properly. I think that's really important to have some kind of emergency fund. If you just take a percentage of your income and put it aside every month, you know, Tony Robbins advises anywhere from three months, if you're a little more, uh, you know, less risk averse, all the way over to possibly six or even nine months of expenses saved up. Most people go nine months. That's crazy. Well, but some people need those nine months to feel like they're, they're secure. And another reason that's really important is because something like medical expenses, this isn't necessarily ongoing for all of us, but at some points in our lives, usually we end up having to spend, you know, money on on our health. Which one of my theme words for the year is health. So I've already, you know, spent money into you know omega threes and vitamin D and stuff like that, so that I can stay healthy and be energetic and feel well and make sure I'm exercising and make sure I'm eating well and organizing my, my life around those activities so that I, I, you know, an ounce of prevention is, or I don't know, I don't remember the exact saying, but <laughs> prevention is definitely the key to, to health, right? Right, exactly. So, but some people will have those ongoing medical expenses because they have certain conditions. I know I have friends like that with some difficulties in, in that area. And again, even there, I'd say the emergency fund comes in very necessary and helpful because if you have a body that's prone to cancer, for example, you're going to need ongoing cancer treatments. That's tough. And, and it, it is very difficult and it's unfortunate, but you're going to need some money to be able to deal with it or else you're just going to be treading water a lot. Right. You know, it kind of goes to a conversation my, myself and yourself had off of Mike, obviously, uh, is, you know, I mentioned to you, we're going to spend our money somewhere, right? So as an example, uh, $40 a month or $100 a month, whatever your medication costs, you're going to spend it each month and month if you are sick. So yep. why not spend that same money in the prevention is that kind of what I think that's you're trying I'm to get saying, to, right? Yeah. yeah. An so, ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. I think that's how it's how you say it. I think it's right. Um but I think, you know, if we take care of ourselves now, right, I think I was telling you, uh, I'm not sure if we've mentioned it on the show, but about six to eight months ago, I went to uh, David Wolf uh, here mm. in Calgary, right? And and that's kind of what he's been on, right? He's talking about prevention and taking, you know, supplements, not just uh, vitamin supplements, but herbal supplements, uh, yeah. you know, to heal your body, to do different things and, and uh, you know, grow your immune system so it doesn't break down uh, because of all the fa- environmental factors as well, right? So taking that money to, and spending it on your health is definitely more important than having to spend your money down the road on pharmaceuticals detoxing alkalizing you know just doing the right things to make sure that your body is in good working order because i don't i don't accept that you just have to live with all these pains and creaks and all those things that are supposed to happen with with age i mean for certain you know to a degree your body breaks down over time but i think if you take good care of it you'll you'll be able to enjoy this life much longer and be able to be in good health for that time 
I agree. And, you know, I think with a healthy body, uh, you know, that does come with some money for sure. It also comes with time and it's kind of a, you do need a little bit of both, right? You do need the money to buy the products in order to take care of yourself. You do need the money to do it as well, right? So when you have that, you can have that happiness in your life. You can find that peace of mind within yourself and you can find that quality of life, like I think you're saying as well, David, that I think uh, that you will enjoy, right? Because obviously the, the less sick you can be, the less times you can spend in the hospital or on medication the happier you are and more active you are you'll also feel that as well something ralph smart always says and this is maybe going a little bit deeper but like health is wealth and health or wealth is in nature because what is money made out of trees so wealth is in nature interesting very you know meditate on it think of it if 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 it doesn't come to you right away it'll come to you later <laughs> <laughs> i love that and you know it's funny that you said that it's true i believe because uh i love meditating you know i recently restarted meditating back in january and you know i've been uh keeping up with my meditation and you know and, and i love yeah. going to nature as well and that's something that myself and yourself have done we've said hey you know what let's take a day off today you know what are you doing you know I, I, maybe i'm stressed at home and maybe i know you need a little away time away from the office here yeah uh, you know t- i give you a call and say hey let's get out of here for a bit and we'll go out and we'll just go for a nice walk you know we got tons of provincial parks around uh, Calgary which is really nice really really close to where we live and you know we get around the trees there's nice little creeks going through there Uh, you know we're so close to the mountains here as well where we can you know literally see them it almost feels like you can touch them from where we are sometimes Uh, but it's just nice to get out there you see animals and you get around the birds and you hear the sounds and you know it has got that uh, calming effect as well right just like uh, like you're saying yeah, that's kind of like what Food Friday is all about for me. Like, I can even go into somewhere like Camor or Banff if I really want to, or I can just go within the city. But I'm not stressed about it because that's my downtime. So I know Friday traffic can sometimes be crazy in Calgary, but I'll just enjoy my drive over, you know, take a, a lesser taken route so that I don't run into a ton of traffic, sit down and have a, a nice lunch. So that's something that, that I've enjoyed lots as well. All right. So should we move on to the next point you have there? Yeah. What I wanted to talk about real quick was assets, because I know I brought it up when I said that very few people have an abundance of time and money, all the time and money in the world to do whatever they want. It's it's usually someone that lives off of their their assets. And so I just wanted to define a few different ones. And maybe this will give you some idea of your own wealth creation too, right? Because we talked about ESBI. Some people actually, I guess Eben Pagan describes it as a lab. So even though Robert Kiyosaki says this is the cash flow quadrant and here's the left side and here's the right side, the side that you want to be on is the right side because that's where the B and the I lives. But Evan Pagan, I found this was helpful, described it as a ladder. You can go from employment, promote yourself to self-employment as you figure out how to make money. And then as you figure out self-employment, you can then teach others how to do the things that you're doing to become a business owner. And then finally, as you learn the ins and outs of business, you you can become an investor. So I thought that was a great insight and I would share that. But the different kinds of assets include businesses, that's a company or multiple companies that don't require your constant involvement. So that's the true definition of entrepreneurship. We throw around that term a lot these days, don't we, Mav? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and it seems like, but the, the true definition is lost on people because that's actually where you live off of that asset and you don't have to do anything in your business or at least you don't have to do a lot in your business to keep it going. One of the things that uh, I've always thought about is, you know, how do the wealthy get wealthier, right? And I find that they live off the interest their assets 
yeah. produce, right? They don't spend their money. They spend the money that their money makes. And, and I think if we put ourselves into that kind of mindset, we can really start understanding how to build not just wealth, but also assets that can create that wealth for a more comfortable life that gives you the time and money down the road. That's a great point. The next type of asset is investments. This could be things like bonds, stocks, mutual funds, options, futures, forex, gold. You can see that I've really done my research here. Real estate, <laughs> even domain names or websites, which is kind of the realm that we're in here as, as using your power. Those can all be forms of investments that can pay off over the long haul. You, you've heard James Shramko talk about taking a $300 domain and turning it into a multi-million dollar business. You know, it's entirely possible. It's just you have to have that long-term thinking to think about where those investments are going to lead. Most people just bail on mutual funds the moment they see that that month cash go down and then they get out of it. Even, but if they had waited a few more months, a few more years at some times, that mutual fund would have gone back up and they would have been able to make some money on it. So long-term thinking is needed in investments, which is why I think it's good to think of this as a ladder. Build your ability as a business owner and then you'll be able to understand investments better. Right. No. And, and again, you have to really understand the investments you're putting your money into as well. Right. So definitely find somebody that can um, teach you how to make money with your money. And just, you know, don't just look at the people at the banks, because, again, the banks are looking just to make money for themselves when you invest with them. Right. So definitely, uh, you know, find people who are obviously they're going to they're in the business of making money as well. And we all know stocks go up, stocks go down. Mutual funds do the exact same thing. Uh, you know, gold goes up one day, gold goes down. But if you really understand how to uh, play the game you know I, I, the yes. more and more I hear of it it's, it's a game and you know I listen to uh, Robert uh, Kiyosaki his uh, radio show that he has as well and he says the exact same money he doesn't really want money anymore to, not in the sense that he's looking to get more money mm -hmm. he looks as money as a game and he's like you know I just play the game and in the game I make more money so you know it depends on how you look at it and again I like the idea of uh, real estate you know that's one of the things that I like myself you know we got a couple of rentals me my, uh, my wife and myself and you know we like that idea idea of, you know, one of the things I always heard is they're not making any more land, right? So mm. the more land yep. you have the options of holding on to, the more ability you have down the road of maybe selling it for a much higher price, especially in a city like Calgary. You know, a couple of years ago, land prices had just skyrocketed at one point within a, a short span of a couple of months. I mean, land prices had gone up uh, between sixty dollars and $100,000. And I mean, that's huge, right? For anybody who was holding on to some land, uh, you know, depending on how many acres you're holding on to, you could have definitely made some good money if that's the time you had chosen to sell. I like that. Yeah. Land ownership is, is pretty huge too. And on that point, I do recommend Tony Robbins money master the game. It's a pretty, pretty good book. I would suggest going beyond the book to learn more about investments and that kind of stuff. Cause that alone may not, you know, we're always facing risks when it comes to investments. Nothing is a hundred percent. Even Warren Buffett doesn't bat a thousand in investments. So we have to be aware of that when we get into it. And again, we're not accountants or financial advisors or anything like that. So do your homework and uh, get proper help if that's something you want to do. And then I guess you're really leading into the next point. You already said land, but uh, the, the third type of asset I wanted to mention was property. So, the, you know, in land, there's really no money unless you rent it or sell it in some way. 
and then once you sell it, it's not an ongoing asset. It's just a one-time cash, you know, cash flow that you can create. You can have apartments or rental properties, intellectual property, which is kind of fun for me because that includes books, music, theatrical plays, trademarks, patents, industrial designs, trade secrets, confidential information, layout designs, or integrated circuits. And those are just a few different examples. There's many more types of investments and property that you can own, but intellectual property is a cool one because I make music, I write books, and you know, there's opportunity to expand into more things as time goes on. Right, and I do like the idea of uh, you know the intellectual property because even anything that you blog on your website is your intellectual property as well, right? So uh, you know, I, just flipping through the the Tim Ferriss book as well, yeah. the Tools of the Titans. There, yeah, uh, it looks like a lot of what he's done. He's taken uh, episodes that he's done on um, you know um, his website and conversations he's had with different people and turned that you know blog proper uh, intellectual property into now a book that he's able to sell on the store shelves or through Amazon or wherever as well. So he's been able to, uh, you know, utilize that, uh, you know, and find a different way to make money with it as well. There's certain questions that he asks every guest on every show. So that's probably part of the way he's able to repurpose it and turn it into the book, which is smart. That's just, you know, good foresight. I wanted to talk about two intangible assets. These are things that have value for sure, but may not produce money ongoing in a sense. One is databases. Databases are you know like databases of customers databases of like vendors and relationships you have with other companies relationships often lead to new opportunities so it's often said it's more about who you know than what you know and oftentimes that is true or at least it's it's good to be aware that you know there there is value in your or it's also been said there's you know your net worth is in your network so there's value in in databases i would also say relationships, obviously. And then finally, authority. Authority can be built over time by publishing podcast episodes, blog posts, articles, PDFs, books, all those kinds of things. Speaking engagements, making guest appearances can build your authority over time. And as your authority builds, more people want to work with you, more people know you, and then you're able to command a higher price for your products. I just want to go right back to what you said about databases. I do love that point, right? Because as any good salesperson knows, right, you know, you want to utilize the database you have, and then you want to be able to utilize the database of the customer you have. So a good salesperson knows they're going to network with the person properly. You know, they're going to service the person, they're going to sell their product, and then they're going to ask for a referral. You know, when you ask for that referral, now you're tapping into the database of your client, you know, and that client there can have hundreds of great uh, people that you can possibly work with as well in the future, right? But again, it all comes by building that trust and taking that time to build a trust and build that relationship properly, you know, and not focusing on the money only because obviously if we take care of our customers on the back end, the money will come in as well, right? So uh, I just wanted to kind of add to that because I love that point. Another way of looking at assets is anything that you would find value in and others would find value in. So if others don't find value in it, it's probably not an asset, but something like a database, absolutely. Others would find value in it because let's say, for example, you have a blog on skateboarding and you've built your list of email subscribers over time. Well, somebody else in the skateboard industry would like to talk to that audience too, or maybe might want to be able to do that. So they would see value in your list and might approach you to buy it or might look for a way to collaborate with you to get in front of your audience. 
Right. And the idea of, well, you know, collecting emails, I love that idea because that's something that we do on usingyourpower.com yeah. as well. And it's it's able to, one, connect to our audience, uh, you know, you the listener, right? And second is to be able to tell you about products and services that we do have coming down the, uh, down the pipe because, you know, those products and services are stuff that uh, our database you know, of people, which is through our email subscribers, wants to wants that information wants maybe something additional not just the you know the free content that we're putting out they're looking yeah. for something over and above you know because they do see value in what we're providing and and being able to then connect to those people that are wanting some additional information uh, we're able to then provide that because of the database that our our listeners are allowing us to build i think that's something a lot of companies have discovered is that there is money in the list and you can get a higher engagement rate and open rate and and buy buy rate if you talk to that audience and build the relationship with them yeah for sure did you have an, what's your next point Matt? uh well you know it's i don't want to get too i don't know if we're learning to get far off this topic or are we going to try to stay on this topic right now a little bit i, I was just going to talk about increasing your income opportunities that was my last point but sure no go into that because i think once you go into that you actually start getting into some of the stuff that i start talking about okay great so yeah i think anybody that's listened to this point might be thinking about okay so how do i make more money and i just wanted to point you to some episodes already where we've talked pretty significantly about different opportunities that pretty much anybody can get into or at least ones that are not hard for you to begin even today in episode two we talked about network marketing and that is a type of business where you can definitely learn the basics of how to build a business and also receive mentorship along the way doesn't mean that you'll be successful in, in network marketing I mean if you look at just the odds or the percentages of the people that actually do really well in network marketing it's not that significant so I'm not telling you that you won't succeed in network marketing but what I am telling you is that it'll give you an excellent business education in episode nine, we talked about 10 ways to make $100. In episode 10, we talked about building a network. So that's how you can start building those relationships that'll help you build your authority. In episode 11, we talked about blogging every day and how that can lead to some opportunities in terms of monetization. And of course, we may do an episode on this in the future, but freelancing can also offer some income opportunities. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things I, I like what you said about the episodes uh, is, you know, even episode eight and 11, for example, I know back in January, we were looking at, you know, just kind of what people are looking at on iTunes for what uh, what they enjoy, you know, and, and uh, at least episode 11 and number eight, uh, which is not on here right now, but those, uh, especially blogging every day is actually one of our most popular yeah. uh, when we were starting to look across the board into Canada, US and surprisingly even Japan. And I think that has something to do with you because of your, uh, Probably. you know, <laughs> speaking Japanese there. So, yeah. I think blogging is, is a topic maybe we'll cover in more depth because honestly, it's there's so much more that we could say about it beyond what we actually said in, in episode 11. But that's that's really cool to see. Episode on entitlement, I guess it's just on everybody's minds or maybe it's uh, Generation X or <laughs> older following us and just going, those damn kids. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. I don't <laughs> even know what to say to that. This is <laughs> awesome. Um, you know, one of the things I was I was looking at was uh, the way I approach this was slightly different. I love the way you have approached this. What I want to maybe yeah. look at, you know, a lot of times people here are looking to figure out ways to to save themselves time and also save themselves money as well, right? Mm. So a lot of people now, especially, uh, you know, I was telling you a little while ago that I went to uh, something called the ATB Booster R yes. in here in Calgary, right? And one of the things that was to do with a lot of entrepreneurs that are, you know, 
know, starting their own online businesses, either offering physical or non-physical products, right? So the nice thing was there too. One of the ladies that was there, she had a, a do-it-yourself business. And that's a mm. lot of people are starting to get more into those do-it-yourself projects. But, you know, I always think about it. Well, why are people getting into that type of project? A lot of times it's because, you know, they want to save some money. And uh, obviously they want to learn something as well. But then I look at the cost of, you know, doing it yourself and learning, which is great, but versus maybe hiring somebody and saving your time and doing something else instead, right? So, uh, you know, it's something that made me think, and I just maybe wanted to ask you what your thoughts on uh, do-yourself projects was about when it comes to time and money. No, that's something, yeah, I think you sort of hinted at some of the issues that, that can crop up. Let's say, for example... And I totally believe in the concept of ownership. We've talked about this probably numerous times on the podcast by now. So if you can own your entire business and keep it that way, that's the ideal. It doesn't always work that way, though. Sometimes you need investors. That's the whole startup culture. And sometimes you need partnerships. Partnerships should never be entered lightly, ever. You should definitely build the relationship with that person, make sure they have complementary skill sets all that kind of stuff. And inevitably, you're going to be giving away a percentage, whether you decide on 50-50, 70-30, 60-40, depending on what the arrangement is. Maybe it'll even be 90-10, but the point is you're not getting to keep 100%. But there is probably a misconception around that idea of ownership that, oh, but that means I have to do everything. And a lot of creative people do have a tendency of thinking that way that, okay, you know, like I, I know how this works. I don't know what I'm expecting. I know the quality of work that, that I'm putting into this and I don't trust other people to do it. And that can often be a mistake with DIY projects. I think you're right. If you can hire sooner rather than later is better. It's something I'm always thinking about. Is this the right time to hire? Can I hire somebody to do this? Right now, I'm just working with contractors, and that's pretty low risk and low cost overall. But what if I need someone full-time? Well, that's a whole new consideration, and I have to go through the interview process and think about whether it should be someone local or should it be someone overseas. And so it's hard. Hiring is not easy. I know other entrepreneurs that are really struggling with that right now. It's like, I need to hire, but I don't don't know. You know, it just seems daunting and overwhelming to, to be able to do. So, you know, DIY projects often don't account for your personal time. You know, you could build something like custom compact guitar effects pedals. Those things are really cool. You know, boutique guitar effects pedals. You know, I geek out over that for sure. (laughs) Looks like you are right now. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But the thing about those is that, you know, now it's all your time. So yeah, you might be able to spend, you know, uh, sell them at a premium, maybe a hundred dollars more than the average pedal. So we'll say two hundred, three hundred dollars. But by the time you've sold that pedal, how many hours of work has actually gone into building that? And that's something that you have to think about. Like if you love doing it, obviously you can do it. But what if you could hire somebody to speed up that process, or hire a manufacturing plant if the demand is high for you to construct, you know, the the basic components of your pedal, and then you. You just finish up finish up in your own shop have a hundred or a thousand made up for you or whatever and enlist the help of a manufacturer to help you with that right and i love what you're saying because i think most people do start in the the, the um, employee segment that we talked about and then yeah. i think when you start moving into the you know um do-it-yourself kind of arena now you're becoming that self-employed right and i think That's a lot right. of times most people will go into the the do-it-yourself and not really think about the time that they're spending to build their business build a product you know and i'm going to use myself as an example 
because that's kind of where I started, right? When I met you, I had nothing. I, you know, I didn't have a website. I wasn't really into uh, into doing any of that, but I knew I wanted to, right? And when we kind of met and we started chatting and you said, yeah, it's super easy. I'll kind of, you know, show you a little bit of what to do. Let's meet for a coffee. And we did. And, and you know, from that moment forward, a lot of it has, to, it has been do it yourself for myself, right? Because I had to kind of learn, uh, you know, some of the background stuff because now I know one of the things that uh, James um, Shrumko talks about on his show too is, right, what he does is he'll learn it and then he'll teach it to his team and then his team will do it the way he needs them to do it, obviously based on uh, their expertise as well, right? He's not going to just use his expertise. He also wants to use their expertise to get something done the way he needs it done. So, yeah. I do like that concept of being able to, you know, uh, learn it first and then do it, right? And uh, a lot of times I know, uh, not necessarily talking about business, but for example, a lot of guys will tinker with their cars and stuff and and whatnot, right? So we'll, you know, I I had some uh, battery issues a couple months back and, you know, I, you know, just kind of read up, you know, jumped on YouTube and started reading up on it on on the internet as well. Like, what can I do to fix my problem? Because I knew it was a brand new battery. And uh, so, you know, I kind of worked through that problem, but it was learning it by myself. I could have taken the car to the garage and spent two, three hundred dollars there. But, you know, because now I know how to do it, I can also, you know, teach you if you ever have that problem too, right, David? So it's something that I've became an expert in, at least not, you know, I'm not a mechanic by any stretch, but I can at least understand the problem now. And if someone ever else has that problem, I can also teach them how to do it themselves or say, hey, you know what? I, you know, I thought that was really hard. You may want to go see a mechanic because it's, it's an electrical problem as an example, right? And I wouldn't want to tell anybody to get into the electrical side of things. But when you're building your business, I think most of the times, nowadays uh, a lot of people do start off I do think it's a great idea I think where you are in your side of the business to where I am you're definitely you know moving into that uh, getting people to you know help you with the process the process yeah. part of your business where I'm kind of more in that uh, you know starting uh, starting part of my business where you know is some of that work is being done by me and I'm using my own blood sweat and tears right now to kind of build it learn it. it yeah and everybody does it you're right um, and I think that's a place that a lot of us start and as soon as you can start moving into that you know one of the things I I always heard and you probably know this as well you've probably heard this too is as soon as you can start paying somebody to do what you can now you're worth as much as they are you know that's something I heard right so the goal is definitely get to that place and obviously it can take some time to get to it another thing is that specialists kind of have the same problem I already talked about my example of how as a freelance technical writer I probably could make early six figures if that's something that I oriented and organized my life completely around not to say that I don't work long hours already <laughs> but uh, you could you know the, the doctors and lawyers pretty much have the same problem I know there's a lot of pride in that business and I think that's good like we need doctors we need lawyers but the problem that you run into is you can make early six figures but now you're working 50 to 80 hour weeks you don't have time for your relationships for your health your family and a lot of other things you would love to be able to do with that money such as vacations I mean some people do it in a balanced way and are able to to manage their time and not uh, overextend themselves with with those professions but there's also a lot of people that get kind of get stuck in in a rut because that's day in day out that's there's a demand there's a need they need to be there they need to do their work and uh, there's just no getting away from the office for for very long Right. No, and I think you hit on a great point because a lot of times, you know, especially when you look at doctors and lawyers and you start looking at really high paid professions, you do notice also that sometimes there is a higher divorce uh, rate in those professions mm-hmm. as well. And and not that they want to be divorced, but I think nope. you're right that they do have to dedicate a little bit more time into their profession because, you know, you get out of school, uh, you're spending, you know, maybe a hundred, two hundred, maybe three hundred thousand dollars to get educated. You know, you get married, that's maybe another fifty thousand dollars. You buy a house, that's, you know, anywhere between two hundred and five hundred thousand 
$100,000 home. And, you know, now you got a million dollars worth of debt very quick. Yeah. And, you know, as a lawyer and a doctor, well, you got to put in those hours so you can start paying off that debt a little bit faster. Plus, you know, living that lifestyle because, you know, you are somewhat trying to keep up with the Joneses, as they say, right? Because when you're making $100, $200, $300 an hour, hey, who doesn't want to spend that time and money as well, right? But then you start neglecting, you know, your family sometimes because you're putting those 18, 19, 20 hour days in. And that can be tough too, right? So I think I love the thing that you said about uh, having that balance, right? And I think... Um just from what you know, our talks that we've had, and I know I've heard it on different podcasts and read different blogs and different articles and stuff. And you know, finding that uh, balance for time and money online has been uh, something that uh, you know I've pursued because I've seen the the benefits of it, and obviously you've seen the benefits as well. And and modeling the business kind of after what you're doing as well, and taking those great points that you've put together. And I know a couple of week, a couple of uh, months back, I joked with you, you know, I'm just copying the master, and uh, <laughs> that's kind of what I'm doing right now. You know, I know you're looking at other stuff, and and you're also just duplicating what you're seeing out there as success and I'm just do, doing the exact same thing right so when I think people are looking to uh, understand time and money I think understand how people are finding that balance and then duplicate that balance as well yeah I think that's a great point to like not reinvent the wheel because a business is a system to produce cash flow nothing more nothing less so every time we try to like apply our uniqueness and our creativity like no you should take your your, your originality or what's unique about you and, and and inject it into your business but i think you can't just reinvent the wheel around your marketing your product and everything else and and try to be a complete original in that area because why would you need to change something that isn't working and then you'll spend a lot of time on trying to figure out how to do things that that may not work at all so why reinvent the wheel right and that's part of the studying process and learning and seeing what's working out there for people Absolutely, you know. Uh, the people that are trying to reinvent the wheel, I mean, uh, don't try to reinvent it. Try to maybe just make it better than, slightly better than it is. I know. Or different. Or different, yeah. yeah. You know, a lot of times that's how new products come by mm -hmm. as well, right? You know, the Apple iPhone 1 is really not that different from the uh, Apple iPhone 7. The functions definitely are, but the overall concept of the phone is still one button. They haven't reinvented the wheel of their product. Yeah. They've kept it really simple, and but they've just kept at adding additional technology to make your phone just... You know great yeah and i'm not advocating against innovation in any way i think innovation is is really cool i mean steve jobs the products that he developed there is not necessarily a, a demand for them he just realized this was something that he could put out into the world and people would enjoy and so like he kind of said people don't know what they want and i need to make it so that was kind of his approach to creating products but exactly i mean you could take something like apple and say okay we're the apple computers for a very specific subset of individuals like let's say uh, writers or something like that so now we produce a very specific type of computer and software and engineering around writers and now we serve that market so that's like not reinventing the wheel but putting your own spin on it right no i love that man you know i, I got nothing really else to add to that so uh, right. do you have any other points there david i do not okay well you know what neither do i <laughs> okay well i guess we can wrap up this episode then any other closing thoughts uh closing thoughts well um 
You know, I think my closing thoughts on time and money really do go back to my network marketing days. Uh, yeah, you know, episode exactly. two, we really talked a little bit about that and the benefits of network marketing, uh, you know, and, and maybe some pros and cons. But, you know, I learned a lot about managing my time and money uh, from there. I think, you know, I, I did, did get grasp a lot of concepts that I still use to this day uh, to understand how I use that. Right. And again, working at the bank really helped as well. So, you know, understand where, where you're spending your time. Take a look at your calendar, you know, right it down if you have to mm-hmm. see where you're spending your time see how many hours in a day you're spending watching tv or you know on social media chit-chatting uh, at the coffee you know when you should be working instead or you know uh, spending it on the phone with people that aren't really taking that conversation in the direction you want it to go and then take a look at where you're spending your money as well and, you know, kind of do the same thing. Document it, where you're spending your money, how yeah. you're spending it, uh, on what kind of stuff you're buying. Because a lot of times we buy a bunch of material goods that, you know, are really no good a month later or two months later or we don't enjoy a couple of years later, right? So really watch where you're spending your money and, and how um, it's affecting your pocketbook and figure out a way to find that balance. Because I love the word the balance you used earlier. And when you can get enough money and enough time, you will find your freedom. And, and it doesn't mean a yeah. million dollars. Nope. It just means to have enough of it on a reoccurring basis, which is one of the things you mentioned, uh, where you don't have to worry about now uh, the stress of it coming in constantly. I had a friend who said to me, try tracking all of your expenses, all financial transactions for one month and just put it all up on a whiteboard. I mean, I did that. And it was an incredibly valuable exercise. And I know a lot of people listening are like, no, I don't want to do that. Come on, man. Seriously, just sit down and do it just for one month. I mean, if you can do it for more, great, because you can analyze further. But one month is enough for you to figure out a lot of things. One of the things I uh, maybe, uh, you know, ask you just so that our listeners can also understand is like, do you mind sharing kind of what you spent your, uh, you know, maybe the top three things, what you actually spent your money on that you realized that was something that you didn't realize you were spending all your money there? Actually, it turns out maybe I'd worked out a lot of things to that point, but like my money was going more or less exactly where I thought it was. But like the top one expenditure, I'm pretty sure if if not uh, top two was debt. So I was putting a lot of money towards the debt to, to begin to eliminate my credit cards. It might have actually been second to, to rent, but, you know, I, I was spending quite a bit on eating out. But again, none of that was unpredictable, nor was it like, you know, oh, I really wish I had that money now. It was nothing like that. You know, it wasn't it wasn't excessive spending so no major surprises for me but i think some people might if they do find that they're surprised by this tracking efforts and realizing things about their finances that they need to change that they do that right on and the main thing i hope for is just people take away is like a new mindset or a new way of thinking about money you know we can't uh there's only so much we can offer you in in this hour we try to pack it with as much content and much thinking as as we know right now and and where we are in our lives and our in our experiences but the main thing i hope is that this will change your mindset a little bit around not having enough time or not having enough money to where you can now achieve your own version of of freedom or at least begin building towards it day by day Thanks so much for listening. This has been Using Your Power. Find us at usingyourpower.com. Thank you.